Lord, we're thankful that we can come into your presence, open our hearts to you. We thank you, Lord, that we can declare we need you. And truly, Lord, we do need you. We need your love. We need your grace. We need your presence. And Father, I pray that as we gather, that you will come and renew us afresh by the presence of your Holy Spirit, the Advocate, the Comforter. Come and give us that deep awareness of your presence for every person here, for every family, every individual, Lord. For those that are believing for a breakthrough in prayer, encourage them today, I pray. For those that are pushing in deeper to know you, Lord, dear Heavenly Father, may we take that step deeper towards you, Lord, we ask. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Zach. Well, good morning and welcome to um, here at Willow Park Church on Sunday morning, the May long weekend, the weekend when everybody goes camping except us. Um, hey, but, um, but you know, it was lovely lying in my bed this morning listening to the rain. And um, what, a, what a lovely uh, blessing. And we need that rain, don't we? We really do. So it was so good. It's so good. And if you're new this morning and you've joined us, we want love you to um, connect with us. Please introduce yourself. Say hi. Come and um, have a chat. I'd love to, um, to get to know you. Love to know who you are. Um, pa- Pastor Luke is away um, drumming at Green Bay with uh, many of you remember Josh, Josh Leventhal. He's uh, there leading worship at a retreat there with uh, quite a few of our musicians. Um, uh, and Pastor Jordan's uh, up at Lake Country leading worship. And um, I think he's leading worship, or maybe he's leading worship and preaching. And, um, and so um, a lot going on through our network. And continue to pray for all of the renovations and all that is happening down at the um, uh, downtown campus as we prepare. I want to uh, circle back, and as we circle back, I want to um, remind you that last week we were in John chapter 14. We're actually going to stay in John chapter 14 again, but we're going to... We approach it from a different angle, a different dimension, some thoughts around this scripture because John chapter 14 is so rich and so vast. And next week, uh, Jordan will be preaching John chapter 15, which is the vine, which leads you on to the whole area of abiding in Christ and knowing Christ's power and Christ's presence. And of course, last week, I spoke to you about the whole concept that, of course, Jesus was departing. He's departing. The way of his departure is through the cross. And as he goes through the cross, he promises them because they are troubled. 
They are struggling. He promises them that though he is going, he will return. And actually what they can do is have absolute confidence in God. And then, of course, he mentions to them that I go away to prepare you a place. And in that place, there are many rooms. We talked a little bit about the physical mansion idea as opposed to the real theological interpretation of that is the idea that Jesus Christ is our dwelling place. So there is a room with your name on. There is a place where you will dwell. And where that place is and that room, you will dwell in the presence and the fellowship and the warmth and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. So don't dumb it down to just a physical mansion. It's about knowing Jesus. You can have your mansion here, but you're going to have your Jesus for eternity. And so, although, you know, some commentators, of course, link to that to a physical thing, and you can you have both. But, uh, but definitely the dwelling of Jesus, that we have what we call an eternal advantage point. We are seeing things in the future. We are seeing what Jesus has done in the past. And we know that about eternity, that there's that sense that home sweet home is actually um, Jesus Christ. That home sweet home is in knowing the Father, in the glory of God. Home sweet home is experiencing God in our life, in that reality. And we, we talked about that then, of course, the reality is, is that, that Jesus reveals God. And, and often we, we can forget that and we can think about that, you know, that there are many ways to God, people often say, but there is only one way to God because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way. He is the way, and we'll dig a little bit deeper into that concept as we move. But he reveals, but he promises to, to, in the unity of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the divine trinity, he promises one thing, that he will not leave you, verse 18, an orphan. He will, he will actually depart through the cross and return through the resurrection, he will depart through the ascension, but return by the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit in every believer. And then he will one day return in all his glory as the risen Lord. And on, on that day, he will return again in the second coming. So you've got a lot of departing, a lot of returning, a lot of departing, a lot of returning. But the one thing that this is trying to show us in this is that he wants to encourage and he wants to comfort his disciples. It's in the context of encouragement and comfort that though it is bleak, though it is tough, though it is hard in our lives, what Jesus wants to do is come and comfort us and encourage us. And he says, I will not leave you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. Jesus does not merely point the way. He is the way. Jesus does not just teach us truth. He is the truth. He does not represent one avenue to life. He is the life, is the point of this. God has shown himself. God has spoken in Jesus. When you look at Jesus, you see a portrait of God. We understand that within the Trinity. God himself was in Christ. And of course, we landed on John 14, 
verse 18, I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. It's really important that what Christ wants to do, he wants to encourage each one of us that you are not alone. He wants to encourage you that you are not an orphan, that you can live your life as a child beloved of God and accepted and cared for. He loves you. He accepts you. And often we can live with a sense of, I don't belong like an orphan. Being an orphan is a terrible thing. Being an orphan is, 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 is so... It affects the way that we view life. It affects uh, our life. It takes a lot to bounce back from being, uh, you know, going through that experience of being alone and being orphaned. I see it in, in family members, in our family history of where, you know, young children uh, like Michelle's uh, grandmother was orphaned and raised by an aunt. And, and the effect that that had upon her, she was, you know, it made her very closed. It made her uh, very at times very uh, harsh. It made her very protective. It made her, she's a lovely woman, but it made her at times, you know, quite, quite a difficult individual sometimes to her own children because she was functioning out of a sense of, of being abandoned and being orphaned and going through that pain. She did make an absolutely brilliant lemon drizzle cake. And <laughs> And although she was orphaned, and although she could be a little bit prickly at times, uh, Nanny Rose, and we love her, and I got to know her at the, uh, towards the end of her life and um, was able to get to know her for a decade or so, you know, it, 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 it was... It would be difficult, but you know that the reason the way that she was at times was because she was abandoned and she was an orphan. Jesus... Even if we've been through the darkest times, what he does, he takes our orphan heart and our orphan spirit and he invites us into a family. He adopts us and he gives us the presence of the Holy Spirit knowing that we are loved, knowing that we are accepted, knowing that we are cared for. And some of us, we do function out of a sense of, nobody gets me. I'm an orphan. I'm defensive. I'm prickly. I'm, not, I'm sure you've never met anybody like that in your family. And, and when you look deeper, you realize why. And Jesus is so absolutely concerned. Basically, it's believe in God, believe also in me is what Jesus is saying. So let's dig a little deeper here as we move forward. All truth is God's truth and all life is God's life. But God's truth and God's life are incarnated in Jesus Christ. Amen to that. Now, let's start then. We've talked about the rooms, but he says, Do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you and that I am going there to prepare a place for you. Encouraging. But we've talked about the runes, but let's just circle back for a moment and talk about the trouble. 
This Greek word in, in uh, trouble is a very interesting word. It talks about the way that you are feeling inside emotionally. It's about, it captures the idea of feeling feeling uh, discombobulated, of feeling anxious, of feeling troubled, of feeling uh, blue, of feeling that, that sense that uh, actually this is tough. What I'm actually facing at this moment in trouble is really hard for me to go through and I'm acknowledging the pain and the suffering that I'm going through at this moment. It's interesting that this Greek word for trouble is used three other places, but it's not used in the context of the disciples. It's used in the context of Jesus Christ, where he acknowledges and the scripture teaches in John that he is troubled at that moment. First of all, we come across though this word troubled in the story of Lazarus. When he arrives there at Bethany and he is greeted by Mary and Martha. And as he goes towards the grave and he sees the mourners, he sees the pain. The word troubled, the same word is used as suddenly he is troubled because he sees their personal agony. He sees their grief and Jesus' response is, is that he is troubled. The second time it is used is when later on he is there at the, um, the Last Supper and he knows that one person is going to betray him and he is troubled that Judas is going to betray him and he offers him the bread and he sees what is happening and again the word troubled is used in the same context in the same Greek word. The third area where this word is used is in Gethsemane when Jesus is interceding and in the garden and he is praying and seeking God and he is troubled and he literally falls onto the ground, gets back up, falls onto the ground and he's struggling with the mission that he has to in, engage in as he is standing on the very void of, of darkness and he is about to descend into the depths of that void to deal with the power of darkness and sin and death. Three troubles. But I know that those troubles relate to you and I, don't they? The first area of trouble is that for many of us, we have been through the most horrific times of grief. And we've wondered where the Lord Jesus Christ is. We've lost loved ones. We've lost those that we cared for under difficult circumstances and we've watched them go through that pain and we've been through grief and we've been through troubled and there Jesus says, I am with you even through the, the, the grief and through personal grief within our lives. And as I often say, if I listen to anybody long enough, every one of you has a story that will make me cry. And you've been through grief. You've been through loss. And what Jesus is saying is, when you grieve, I grieve. And when you grieve, I see your grief. And when you cry, I feel your tears. The second area in life is that we know that for each one of us who has not been betrayed by somebody that we love. A friend has rejected us. A relationship has broken down. 
a moment in our lives when we felt the experience of the, you know, the phrase in the English language being a Judas. We've experienced that moment of being betrayed or being misunderstood or being excluded or being uh, thought of in a way that you do not want to be thought of. And you feel the pain of betrayal within circumstances, within life. And for every one of us, I'm sure we've all experienced the moment of trouble when betrayal comes and we've had to really work hard at forgiving and we've worked really hard at loving. We've had to work really hard at caring. Do not be troubled, he says. And that Gethsemane moment, maybe you've been through it when you actually do not have the answer to the problem that you're facing and all you can do is fall on the ground and groan and weep before the Lord. It's the same word, you see, troubled. It's the same word, but here Jesus turns it around, about, not about himself, and it, we introduce this, that do not let your heart be troubled. In other words, Disciples, you are now going into a time of trouble. You're going into a time of difficulty. And I want to say to you, you're going to experience these emotions. You're going to experience these these feelings of grief. You're going to experience feelings of betrayal. You're going to experience feelings of where is going on. He's going to be nailed to a cross. The Roman soldiers are going to be there and you are going to be absolutely lost. But let me tell you something. There is a purpose to this pain. There is a purpose and I am preparing a place for you and I am with you and I will return in resurrection. I will return with the power of the Spirit and one day I'll return when I return as the risen Lord in the second coming. So know this. Know that you're going to face this. It's almost in John 14, the author, the way John does it, he sweeps all these different returnings together and messes them up. And you're wondering, which one is he talking about here? But actually, he's just talking about the reality that, that he is going to lead you. Do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father has many rooms, and if that were not so, would I have not told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. I know that the way to the place is where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? The questions with Thomas and the different disciples, with Philip and so on, are, are, are changes in the scripture where, it's, where, where the, the spirit of God and the author is laying up for the next new revelation. So the revelation here is that I am going to prepare a place for you. You can have an eternal perspective. You are going to be in trouble, but know this, you can look beyond your trouble because I have a place for for you and I have prepared for you change Thomas said to him Lord we don't know where you are going so how can we know the way Jesus answered I am the way the truth and the life no one can come to the father except through me 
If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. Know now, you, you do know him and have seen him. He's actually saying is, I am the one that has led you and will lead you and the only way can lead you to the Father. I'm the one. I am the way. I am the one that will lead you to the Father. And when you see me and you understand me, you will understand the Father and you will reveal the Father and you will know the Father. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. You're going to know the Father because you know Jesus is going to be revealed. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. How do they know the Father? They know the Father because they are standing right with Jesus Christ. Right there. And your relationship with Jesus is so precious. My relationship, our relationship with Jesus is so beautiful, so wonderful, and so glorious that we know the Father because we know Jesus. Think about that. Jesus. Jesus. He is the one. And then Philip says, it changes again with the question. It's a kind of a mechanism that the author is using. Philip says, Lord, show us the Father that we will be enough. That will be enough for us. Show us the Father. Now what Philip doesn't realize, of course, is that no man has seen the Father. Not even Moses has seen the Father in in Exodus chapter 33. Nobody's seen the Father. And so again, it is it is emphasized, and he looks at Philip and says, Lord, show me us the Father that it will be enough for us to show us the Father. Jesus answers, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father, when you now realize I am the Father. I am the image of the Father. When you see me, you know the Father. When you see Jesus, you and I know the creator of heaven and earth and all the universe. We see Jesus. We see the Father. I think I said last week, it's so difficult to imagine God, the Father. Nobody's seen God. And you look at the the universe, the vastness, and you look at the micro of creation, and you look at the where we live, and you understand it's it's hard to connect to the vastness of God. I find it hard. It boggles my brain. Just sends me in a spin. (sighs) Just like, I need another cookie. I just like, I just, uh, more sugar please. I just want to meditate on the vastness of God and who God is. All knowing, all seeing, all eternal. I can't grab it, I can't. Oh, Jesus. got it. And for the ancient church, for Augustine, for all of the ancient 
teachers, they, they grappled with this. And our church, our heritage of our ancient church taught us the beauty of this thing. Lord, don't you see? Show us the Father. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe in me. And when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works of themselves, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Suddenly it changes. In verse 12, verily, truly, I tell you, amen and amen, you couldn't do this. This is what you need to listen to right at the moment. Wake up. This is amen and amen. I tell you, whoever believes in me will do works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. So what he's actually saying is, He's he's talking about the future of the church. He's talking that I have to go, but I will send one greater and you will do greater things. This is hard to imagine, isn't it? The vastness of the body of Christ globally, the vastness of believers across the world, that every moment, every day, there are moments happening in every country, in every corner of the world where Jesus Christ is at work by the power of his spirit spirit, where Jesus Christ is moving, where people are being touched. People are giving their lives to Jesus today. People are being given a cups of water. People are engaging. Churches are gathering. People are worshiping. Prayers are going up because Jesus left. He sent the Holy Spirit. Therefore, his body will do greater things in the world, will touch more people. The blind will see. The lame will walk. Broken hearts will be healed. Orphans will be made part of families. Hungry people will be fed. People will be educated and cared for. You are going to be, don't you grasp this? He's saying, realize your potential that when I go and the spirit comes, this church, the church can make such a difference in the world. And you're part of that. So he's going, Do you see that? Do you see? Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than this. Because I am going to the Father. I'm going, but something remarkable is going to happen here. I think it's good for us to have a global vision of the body of Christ working in every corner. Wherever you go, whatever's going on, God is always on mission. And he's using his body. And you're part of that. Great miracles. Great things. Happening all over. All over the world. But then it goes, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Three things from this scripture. 
from 12 and 13. One, the church will do great things. You and I participate in the greatness of God. We do great things. Number two, we can have a dynamic prayer life, asking, receiving, seeking. It's about the the level of prayer that we experience. Do not let your heart be troubled because you are going to do great things. You're going to get through this. And secondly, you're going to have an intimacy, a prayer life that when you ask and you seek, you will see God doing things in your life, in situations. You will have that prayer dynamic that will sustain you. And thirdly, and thirdly, is that it's all for my glory, all for the glory of God, all about the glory of God that is present. And you may ask me for anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands. But notice that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Everything we do in our activity, our mission, on greatness, on going out, everything we do in our prayer life and seeking and finding alignment with the heart of God and listening to the Spirit to know how to pray and what God is doing in situation, all of our activity is not about our greatness, is not about our glory, is not about how wonderful we are. It's all about the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ who will glorify the Father and we glorify the Father through our lives. Fascinating. So I better get my act together here and go, yeah, it's time for me to live a life fully devoted to Christ. It's time for me to live a life that I'm saying, yes, Lord. And so we understand that the, the message here is, hey, you're going to have trouble, but don't be troubled because I'm going to be with you. I want to encourage you and I want to comfort you. I'm going to be with you. You will achieve great things, greater than me. But you know, you're going to know the greatest thing is that your prayer life, your prayer life is going to be amazing because I'm going to be with you. And when you ask, you receive. But know this, make sure you get your life in obedience so everything that you ask is for the glory of God. Knowing God's heart, seeking God's glory, And the most important question we can ever ask ourselves in prayer ministry and in life and intercession is, Lord, what is your heart for this situation? Lord, what is you? What will glorify your name? Lord, how can you be glorified in this? Help me. And it's no wonder that after dropping this little verse in, we'll move rapidly to the promise of the Holy Spirit But then we'll move into the vine and the branches, which explains this. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it is neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Not going to leave you. 
going to leave you. In prayer early this morning, I said to the Lord, what do you want to do with this sermon? And the Lord said, just bless the people. Bless, this little sideways thought, bless the people. Bless them, bless them. Okay, yeah, every, I try and do that all the time. Let them know that they are blessed. That you are a blessed people. Why? Well, you are blessed because he promises to always be with you and to comfort you. You are blessed because he promises that one day he will return in glory. You are blessed because you're part of the body of Christ that is called to do great things. You are blessed because he listens to your prayers and he is with you and he comforts you and he encourages you and he's with you. You and I are blessed because one day he will return. And even if I'm not present for that return and I've passed into eternity by my body dying, I am blessed because he has gone to prepare a room for me. I am blessed. And this morning we are a blessed people. If I can encourage you to do one thing, start to pray and keep praying and believing and not giving up on prayer and developing that intimacy prayer dynamic and believing that God is with you and loves you so much. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Let's stand together. As we prepare for prayer, we've been on quite a journey. John chapter 1, we understood the Logos. Jesus' pre-existence, it's not just who he is, it's what he has done, has created all things. We realized how much that Jesus is the divine light that came into the world to search every one of us. That the light and the darkness do not recognize and there's a battle that is taking place and people can't grasp what is taking place with the light and the darkness that is happening. Yet John saw this, didn't he? John the Baptist declared and said, look at him coming. He's the Lamb of God and he will bring the Holy Spirit to you. Uh, Follow us, go and follow him. Forget about me. I'm just a slave to him even though he faced opposition after opposition he was like this is the message the message is Jesus and the only thing that can fix this world is being transformed by Jesus Christ and Father I praise you I praise you that we are blessed We are blessed because you've prepared rooms for us. We are blessed because you are the way, the truth, and the life. We are blessed because you care about our troubles. We are blessed because there is a purpose in all that we are engaging in. We are blessed because on the third day you rose from the grave. We are blessed because we have seen the Father when we have seen Jesus. We are blessed 
Because you have called your body, your people to do great things for you. And we are blessed because you love to answer our prayers. And we are blessed because we live our life to glorify Jesus. And forgive us, Lord, when we don't glorify you. Forgive us when we're fleshly, when we're sinful, when we're selfish, egotistical, when we make dreadful mistakes in our own wisdom and we, make, we blunder. Forgive us, Lord. And we thank you that we are blessed because you always forgive us. You redeem us and you lead us, Lord. Holy Spirit, in this final song, come and minister to us, I ask. Take us farther and deeper into you. In your lovely name. Amen. Hey, I'm going to ask the prayer team to come and any elders and I don't think we've got many pastors in the building one's here and the other's flying the ship from up there and Zach's strumming a guitar um, but you might have just you want to be blessed you want prayer you want encouragement whatever's bubbling in your heart we just want to welcome you and say come on Come and receive prayer at the end. Come and connect with people here and they'll just pray with you and be with you and, and, and bless you. Let's, um, let's worship together.